Hi, this is Jesse from The Marriage Group. If you're getting married in the Catholic Church, I'd love to tell you about our online pre-cana and natural family planning courses. These online on-demand options are used by thousands of couples around the world every year as part of their marriage preparation journey. Find out why ministry leaders recommend our courses and use the code OSV15 for a 15% discount at themarriagegroup.com. If you could ask the Pope any question, what would you ask him? In 2018, I represented the United States at the Synod on Young People, and I asked the Pope and bishops of the world this question. How many young people do you know by name? This Sunday, millions of Catholics will show up to church, but remain anonymous in their pews. And that if if they don't show up next week, no one's going to notice they're gone. Permissioned anonymity is a crisis in our society and a tumor in our church. And the answer is not name tags. Sadly, this isolation's getting more common. Today, one in three Americans live alone. This didn't start with COVID and the practice of social distancing, but it certainly got worse. A 2020 study by Springtide Research and Institute identified that 45% of young people say they have no one to talk to. That 40% of them say that they feel like no one understands them. Yet even in the midst of that isolation, 50% of young people started a new religious practice during COVID-19. But when they showed up, half said they had no one to talk to about it. That's right. The least religious generation in American history showed up looked around, and had no one to talk to. But yes, let's blame the problem on avocado toast and selfies. (laughs) This isn't just a young people's problem. A Gallup survey showed that 70% of adult Christians haven't had anyone ask them about their spiritual growth in the last six months. And I bet if you isolate just the Catholic data, that number could be much higher. So what's the solution? More social media, less social media? When researchers at Fuller Theological Seminary identified the places where young people were thriving in the church, they found the key to young people staying committed as lifelong practicing Catholics was the presence of five mentors in their life, supporting them in their journey of faith. Springtide's belonging study added to this idea, showing the data-driven difference of helping people become noticed, named, and known. This is true in my life. For as meaningful as conferences and events and study have been, I can't tell my journey of faith without Deb and Ed, Nathan and Ben, Maddie and Jared, Debbie and Dana, Santo and Lindsay, and so many more spiritual friends and mentors who help me become noticed, call me by name, and help me become known to them and to Jesus Christ. Think about your own journey of faith. Who are those names in your life, in the highs and lows of your journey of faith? This is what I want to talk about today, about the names of the people who made an imprint on our hearts and that work of accompaniment, both in person and online, that supports those relationships, whether they're across town or across the world. People are leaving the church for different reasons, but the absence of spiritual friends and mentors lies at the heart of this disaffiliation. 
Some, like my friend Hannah, leave the church because they just no longer trust a church so full of scandal. People are asking for mentors, not who scandalize the church with sin, but who scandalize the world with holiness. Others, like my friend Robert, leave the church. They have serious questions that have just never been answered. People are asking for mentors who listen to their questions and provide answers that offer a coherent worldview. Others, like my friend Sam, leave the church because they just don't care about the church. It seems irrelevant to their interests and experience. People are asking for mentors who help enculturate faith and make it come alive in daily life. These personal friends and mentors are urgently needed today because people trust personal relationships way more than institutions. As St. Paul VI said so prophetically, modern man trusts witnesses more than teachers. And if it does trust teachers, it's because they were first witnesses. People are not asking for a new program or event. They're asking for a relationship with a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction, as Pope Benedict XVI said. This is why we have to prioritize the method of Jesus, calling people by name, sharing the good news, and walking with them in a journey of one-on-one, lifelong discipleship. Our church's history shows this method in action. In every generation, Christ raises up saints who make more saints. Have you noticed when you read the scriptures or look into the lives of the saints that the holy ones rarely go it alone? Paul helped Timothy. Claire helped Francis. Ignatius helped Francis Xavier. Louis and Zelie helped their daughter Therese. Still today, missionary formation must be based upon a long-term accompaniment that no textbook or program can replace. Spiritual accompaniment was the method of Jesus, the method of the saints, and it has to be our method today. We must answer the call of Pope Francis to initiate everyone, priests, religious, and laity, into this art of accompaniment. And the art of accompaniment is truly a work of art. It's not a program in a box. It's a personalized ministry. We're in a period of our church where we can't just wait inside of our church for people to come to us. We have to go out. And while the missionary mandate of Jesus to go make disciples of all nations, it hasn't changed. But where we encounter people today, where we have to go, that has changed. The average American spends about seven hours of their day interacting with a screen. We've experienced this seismic earthquake with the change of technology in the last few decades. It's changed our brains, our jobs, our habits. Sociologists say we haven't experienced so much change since the invention of the printing press in the 1400s. I think it's a helpful analogy. The technology of the printing press responded to people's hunger for knowledge by providing greater access to information. Today, the inverse is true. Flooded with information, though not necessarily truth, technology has the ability to respond to people's hunger for personal relationships. Technology has the ability to respond to people's hunger for personal relationships. Now, seven hours of screen time is a lot. (laughs) The Catholic response is both to encourage people to unplug and to bring Jesus Christ online in new and creative ways. In our own country, the creative use of technology and ministry led Bishop Fulton Sheen to primetime television. It led Bishop Robert Barron to YouTube. But what do we do now in this new moment of physical and spiritual isolation? I propose that bringing Christ online is not simply a matter of offering a Christian message online, but also offering a Christian method of engagement. 
What's needed today is a commitment to digital accompaniment. Digital accompaniment's not emailing the Sunday Bulletin. <laughs> it's not posting a Catholic meme on Facebook. It's not starting another Catholic podcast. Digital accompaniment's the use of technology to support long-term friendship and mentorship in the journey of faith. Digital accompaniment's the use of technology to support long-term friendship and mentorship in the journey of faith. It's providing those spiritual friends, mentors, and church leaders the tools and platforms they need to reach God's people where they are and to walk a longer road with them. Over the last 10 years, I haven't lived within a thousand miles of Deb and Ed, Nathan and Ben, Dana and Debbie, and Santo and Lindsay. But I've never stopped being noticed, named, and known. Sadly, most Catholics don't have this experience. It's because our church ministries aren't built yet for this long-term accompaniment. When I was a parish DRE, we'd repeat the phrase, maybe you've heard it, confirmation is not graduation. But my first year at the parish, I noticed that the last event on the calendar they handed out was the date of confirmation. That's not long-term accompaniment. When my wife Gina and I got married, the parish and diocese provided a bouquet of paperwork. But not one person reached out to us in the months or years since we've been married. That's not long-term accompaniment. I imagine a church where we make it natural for a confirmation candidate and their sponsor to share faith a thousand miles away, where it's normal for confirmandi to stay engaged in the life of the parish throughout high school. I imagine a church where it's normal for every married couple who comes to prepare themselves for marriage or every family preparing their child to be baptized. They have a mentor, someone who walks with them throughout the celebration of the sacrament and after. I imagine a church where a newcomer doesn't just get added or dumped into a massive email list, but through one-on-one -on -one relationships shared in person and online, becomes noticed, named, and known. I worked for 15 years in parish and diocesan ministry, and now work for a technology company committed to equipping the church with the tools it needs for this work of digital accompaniment. We see every year that we prepare people for the celebration of sacraments, we host big events, and people just drift away or stay anonymous in the crowd. Our church needs better tools to reach back out. Now, technology is not the answer to the church's renewal. More than a shovel is an answer to, the, to a garden growing. But it helps. Thankfully, a new generation of digital natives are filling our seminaries, our parish staffs, and our volunteer teams. Now is the time for the new ardor, new method, and new expression that St. John Paul II dreamed of. Now is the time for commitment to digital accompaniment. Digital accompaniment will place the dignity of the human person at the center, not engaging with someone online as a piece of data or a potential consumer, but as a person. As a person. So practically speaking, what does this look like? I'd propose two conversions for our ministry in the church. A conversion from programs to people, and a conversion from numbers to names. First, a conversion from programs to people means being intentional to build in moments of friendship and mentorship into every single program and event in the life of the parish. We should measure that by asking, have people made new friends? Have we connected people to mentors? Moving from programs to people means building into the job descriptions of clergy and laity that they spend time every week in one-on-one -on -one and small group relationships. 
Secondly, a conversion from numbers to names. After the resurrection, when Jesus first appears to Mary Magdalene, she doesn't recognize him. Until he speaks her name, Mary. Being called by name is powerful. Being called by name matters. Moving from numbers to names means spending a little bit less time paying attention to statistics that are anonymous, like attendance, likes, followers, and views. It means paying a bit more attention to the names of people in our pews, in our neighborhoods, and having a plan and platform to follow up with them. It means not only investing in financial management software, but people management software that actually builds community and relationships. When I met the Pope at the Synod, I asked him, how many young people do you know by name? And I asked him to join me in examination of conscience in our church's ministry of accompaniment. Do our sacramental preparation programs provide long-term accompaniment and mentorship? Do our clergy and ladies spend time each week mentoring leaders one-on-one? How many people do I know by name? This Sunday, millions of Catholics will show up in our churches, but feel anonymous in our pews. The question is, will we let them stay nameless? St. Oscar Romero said, you say you love the poor, name them. So I ask you today, you say you love the church, the people of God, name them. Thank you. Thank you.